Hey, what up? Salam. Hey. Hey, Raga. ¿Qué tal, amigos? Estrevete. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Mercato Radio. This has been so exciting uh, to launch season one and get to know our listeners and hear how they engage with the films that we've selected as well as our episodes and what we had to say. Hey, Edie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? It's been a while. Yeah, I'm really excited to be back. So we have a really exciting bonus episode. It is related to our episode four. If you haven't watched episode four, it talks about La Moustache and Gaslight. You can definitely pause this episode, go listen to episode four, but you can also listen to this episode if you haven't listened to episode four, which is, I think, very exciting. And just to give us a little recap of what episode four was about, we delve into the origins of the elusive and ubiquitous term gaslighting, which is a term coined by this 1940s British film called Gaslight. We discuss what the term means, how it manifests in our characters' relationships, as well as in modern ones, and we unpack why this at times overused word is even a thing that we do. Uh, Why are we like this? (laughs) Thank you so much for that recap, Gloria. Yeah, I mean, I think us as filmmakers and artists, we can only speak to our own lived experiences and our individual understanding of what we think this is, how we think we've seen in the world or in our own, like, behaviors with other people as we discuss it. We are really excited to have this special guest today (laughs) to get to ask our questions. Our guest today is the founder of Wove Therapy in New York City. Founded in 2018, Wove is a psychotherapy practice that specializes in providing intersectional compassionate care for all. With a BA in psychology from Barnard College and an MA in counseling psychology, From New York University, our guest has a background in applied psychology research and has managed projects funded by the U.S. Department of Education, the National Institutes of Health, and the National Science Foundation. So let's give a warm Mercato Radio welcome to Alpana Chaudhry. How did I do? (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you, Edelawit. Gloria, it's so wonderful to be here, and I'm so pumped to join you for this episode. The original episode was so fascinating. Um, I think I had shared with you at one point that I had not realized that the term gaslight came from this this film and this play, which is so literal, um, it's painful, (laughs) and how that translates into a psychological concept um, that we are here talking about in 2021 is phenomenal. So such a powerful concept. So thank you for, for being curious. Um, and I'd love to, to help you and your listeners understand a little bit more about what, how that applies to them. We're excited to really delve into it and see it in a perspective that we might not have considered or something that takes like kind of a holistic understanding in terms of mental health and what ga- why people gaslight. So we're excited to get an insight from you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Alpana, for joining us. We're so, so excited to hear your perspective. I'm really excited, especially because I feel like both of us feel like Wove Therapy 
is such a great match with Mercato Radio in terms of our mission and kind of how we view the world through this intersectional lens. And it's not intersectional just for the sake of being intersectional. It's like really a true mission of truly having curiosity and enjoyment of other cultures and how they view the world or that we struggle with the same problems, even if it's from different lenses and from different cultures. And so I think it's just such a great match and I'm really excited that you're a part of this episode. Oh, thank you for saying that. Yes, and intersectionality, you know, that's a really important term, I think, for how you define Mercato Radio, how I define the mission of both, um, and how we create space and hold space for however someone identifies Mm -hmm. in a given minute, a day, a year, whatever is going on in their life, that's all actually very relevant to how we relate to one another. Absolutely. And Gloria and myself always talk about how in mainstream therapy, it doesn't really account for individuals who have religious or cultural differences that may not allow them to feel like there's space for them there. And even this idea of expressing how you feel, especially in relation to your parents' generation, one that does not have the vocabulary or the understanding to even take what you're saying and have a means to understand what it is you're saying and not necessarily feel like it's oh, I failed as a parent. And in our first introductory call, we, we've talked about kind of my own experience with primary care doctors and how I purposely seek out immigrant doctors, whether yeah. it's primary care specialists, because I feel like I my experience will be validated. I will be seen. And it's not this thing of I'm not comfortable to share things with you because I'm scared you're going to look at it with like a Western lens And you don't have the capability to understand what the other side of the world kind of has the mentality of thinks about, et cetera. So more than like Blackness, immigrant doctors are more important to me because I need that kind Mm -hmm. of like dual identity in you so I can feel seen. Right, exactly. It sounds like you're seeking actual reflection of certain aspects of your identity. Um, And even just by way of saying like, um, it's important to me that you have the capacity the skill to see me as not like everyone else, not just a patient or just a case, whatever that means to you as a medical professional, but to see me as a person who has a lived experience. And that lived experience is going to intersect with my physical health, my mental health, and so forth. Absolutely. So, I mean, I'm happy that WOV exists and I hope there's more practices or therapy practices that exist in other cities and other countries that do respect that. I think it's quite needed. So let's get to the meat of it all with gaslighting. Is that the saying? (laughs) The meat of it. Again, to our audience for this episode, we sought out Alpana's expertise to discuss with us gaslighting. So let's start with the basics of how do you define gaslighting and why do we gaslight? So gaslighting is a relational dynamic. First and foremost, you're always looking again, going back to the relationship, a relationship between two people, a person in their culture, a person in their workplace. Mm. Really, you're talking about two parties having a relationship where one party does this sort of flex, a little bit of uh, power dynamic, um, and, and it's a technique 
that's pervasive, uh, it's usually subtle, insidious, where you're exerting power over the other person in these sort of sneaky ways. And it has the sum effect of making the other party, the oppressed party, feeling um, you know, colloquially, I'm going to use the word crazy, um, confused, uh, um, dejected, mm. uh, all sorts of signs. You know, red flags can come up when you're in a relationship, in a gaslighting style of relationship. And you ask, why do we gaslight? You know, if we put our, ourselves in the shoes of someone who is doing the gaslighting and we think about it in terms of power and relationships, we tend to see that people who are craving and seeking out more and more power to the detriment of someone else, that's usually coming from a place of insecurity and scarcity. Mm. So if someone is not feeling powerful enough or is worried about their, um, their power, in a relationship over themselves or again in the world, they're more likely to use tactics like gaslighting to put someone down and to subjugate someone for the benefit of them gaining power. Mm. I, you know, I recently read that adults who were scolded by their parents or I'm like, losing my parenting vocabulary because I have no children. So I don't know what the parenting <laughs> vocabulary is. Um, but we're um, punished, but I punished by their Discipline. parents. Discipline. There we go. Thank you, Gloria. <laughs> Discipline by their parents for making mistakes at, as children have a problem with fessing up or saying sorry as adults. Mm-hmm. And I think that is also a reason sometimes people gaslight to not take accountability. Is that like, is there any truth to that? I did read that somewhere and I wanted to kind of bring it up to you. It's that kind of childhood mentality of like, Oh no, I didn't mess up. I didn't do anything wrong. That is a fantastic parallel because in this example, especially when you um, think about a child, we're not necessarily at that point villainizing them the way we might see, you know, big bad villains um, who are adults, and there are many of them. But we can see how it is actually so easy to fall into that trap of of gaslighting um, as a way to avoid, really, I think what you're referencing is that feeling of shame, Mm. such an awful feeling, and and it's a normal human feeling. And those of us who are not resilient to shame, who struggle with processing and eventually unloading the shame and getting back to a a positive um, sense of self, a relationship with the self, if you get stuck in that shame zone, it can become really difficult. And as a child, if you get a lot of messages where somehow, whether a parent is saying it literally or even just you know, repeatedly and subtly, like a parent focuses on a child's bad behavior over and over and over again, and sometimes misses that the child's behavior may be related to an unmet need, right? Like, oh, I'm thinking of a very common example from from childhood, you know, you're in the classroom, and yeah, you have to go to the bathroom. And, you know, Maybe you just went half an hour ago, but you have to go again. You know, what choice do you have? You have to raise your hand. You got to tell the teacher, I got to go to the bathroom. And the teacher, you know, sort of rolls their eyes and, and, you know, throws a little contempt that child's way, finds it a nuisance or annoying. There's a subtle unspoken message there that a child receives, which is that something must be wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm creating a problem. I am a problem. And then what can happen is um, 
you know, that shame gets converted, it gets processed in a way where the child has to start covering up um, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe that child's body is very uncomfortable and they get really antsy and, um, and then the teacher scolds them again for being antsy and, you know, it becomes this terrible vicious cycle where the Mm -hmm. child is just receiving more shame, trying to offset and deflect and, and, and actually what ends up happening is that that's a technique that gets internalized that I'm not, I can't tolerate it. This is so uncomfortable that I'm going to devise all sorts of, of methods uh, to tolerate this kind of shame, which is really intolerable. Um, so who, who gaslights? Those who are made to feel very insecure about themselves um, and who have to go to certain lengths to, to preserve uh, a perception of the self um, from from crumbling apart. Wow, that's so interesting. Wow. Especially like I I read a lot about like adult behaviors and like childhood experiences and how those are interconnected. So this is really fascinating to hear. Yeah, yeah. this feels like a, a therapy session too. Just to hear like the ways that it all connects and yeah, having experiences where of course like I've been gaslit or I've a gaslit without necessarily intentionally doing so, like understanding that dynamic is is so fascinating and especially coming from the lens of I feel like a lot of times in that relational dynamic, you can feel like the person who is doing the gaslighting has more power. I mean, in the film, mm-hmm. right, Gaslight, we definitely see I'm blanking on his name, but we definitely see the man have more power over this woman because he's constantly gaslighting her. And she is of course feeling more and more dejected and more and more powerless. And to hear it from the perspective of actually it's someone who feels internally very powerless and that's why they resort Mm -hmm. to those techniques. It's interesting to sort of flip the power dynamic to show that like someone who is internally has, you know, a good sense of self and power doesn't, doesn't need to do those, those things. That's absolutely true. And and that being said, understanding and having even to a certain degree, some empathy for that is not the same thing as excusing it. Mm -hmm. So accepting that that's happening is not, does not make it okay. It is still very damaging and detrimental. And, and, and really, you know, as someone offsets their own shame, the real consequence is that they're basically passing a hot potato to the next person. Mm-hmm. Here, catch. I can't handle this shame. Now it's yours. You're it. And, you know, obviously that's, that's a, it's a manipulative tactic. And also to be fair, you know, that the gaslighter is frequently not aware that they're doing it either because the person who receives the gaslighting um, is so stripped of their power and agency that they're not able to kind of take up more space. Or, I mean, it's so socially uncomfortable for people sort of peripheral or adjacent characters in someone's life to speak up and say, hey, um, from a distance over here, I can tell that, that you're a you know, a shithead, you know, you're not going it, to, it's, it's not really, you know, we don't typically welcome that kind of feedback in our, in our culture. And that, that is, I get that. Therapy, however, is a little bit different in that when someone comes to therapy through the relationship with the therapist, they're basically giving a therapist permission to say, tell me how it is. Tell me what's really going on. You know, don't shame me but I want to know on some level. 
From everything that we're talking about, I think what's also really interesting is in the digital age or 2021 or anyone who grew up with the presence of the internet, I do think like our ability to understand each other and the fact that like whatever we feel or experience, someone else across the country might be feeling that or across the world, especially with the growth of like TikTok. What I've seen is all of these creators being like, do you know why your parents do A, B, and C? Okay, so this one was really highly requested. It can be very difficult to approach talking to immigrant parents because most often they're pretty closed off. They will either undermine you or gaslight you or just get very defensive. Like all these different analysis uh, of like our first generation parents or our experience as second generation Americans or things that are either negative viewpoints of how do we see ourselves that have come from our parents, come from like things that we have been conditioned to think like. And now as an adult, we're breaking those boundaries and being able to connect with each other and being like, oh, this particular experience by this like Egyptian girl in Michigan, that happened to me too. That's mm-hmm. so interesting. And like, how do you feel that the digital age or the presence of the internet has not only affected the act of gaslighting, but mental health in general? Mm-hmm. It, it, I think it goes both ways, mm. um, but you're right. It has had a huge impact on mental health, um, examples or behaviors of gaslighting that we see, journalism, the, you know, the documentation of, of these, these situations. Mm. But it does go both ways in that I love the, you know, your your hypothetical of two people from completely different parts of the world um, or backgrounds maybe coming together on some shared human experience and how normalizing and relieving it can feel to know that you're not alone. That's that's a huge pro mm-hmm. of, of the digital age. Um and, and also really amazing things have happened that especially I think 2020 into, into 2021, now with this ongoing global pandemic happening and, and we're physically restricted, you know, where would we be without these, uh, the ability to connect in this way, which at times can be so intimate, even like we're doing now, we're, we're thousands of miles apart and having a very fluid conversation about something so deep and intimate. That's wonderful. You know, the flip side of that, of course, is that you can use screens or see screens as barriers and they can be really depersonalizing and they can um, interfere with boundaries that we would normally have if we would be face to face. Mm -hmm. And without those barriers and moderators, um, bad behavior can get amplified. So I think we see this a lot with, you know, trolling as a phenomenon, all sorts of cyberbullying. And again, I'll I'll mention journalism, um, you know, in terms of skewed perspectives, we can have, you know, single instances or systemic instances of one group or person exerting an undue amount of power over another. Mm -hmm. And there aren't as many stop gaps to it. So it's, you know, it's a really powerful tool, good, bad, and it's something to be very mindful of and, and, and does affect our mental health. For sure. I mean, there's so many different conversations around it about how our own perception of ourselves is affected by what we see on social media. But then, of course, there is a connection community that you feel when if you're from a small town and don't necessarily have someone to talk to about 
things that you are feeling or you don't know that someone else is going through the same things as you, to have that community on the internet is obviously very important. But I think if you are still working out who you are and not necessarily have a sense of individuality, I think it's very easy to get the negative sides of social media and be affected by those things. I mean, in episode one, we discussed the film um, Cuties and Pen15 and like the era when we were middle schoolers and we just had the internet and we didn't know what we're doing. And it's still very dangerous, you know, on the internet if you are a young person. And so I think it's affected us, but I'm very curious to see what this next generation, like one day, like our children are going to be like, I want to teleport mom. And all of these are going to be like such new technologies that we're not going to know what to do with. (laughs) Yeah. Things are changing in an alarmingly rapid rate, or it feels that way sometimes, maybe depending on your actual generation, (laughs) things tend to feel like they're changing faster. I think when you get older, yeah. Um, and it can be hard to keep up with, but it's it's been neat, I think, I'm sure you can relate to this, to watch almost every generation now have some literacy in digital platforms. You know, clearly that excludes some of our oldest members or people who don't have reliable access. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, going back to why it's so important that we have this, like, how would anyone have survived this past year, you know, mentally without the ability to connect and certainly digital um, tools um, can facilitate that. For sure. Thank you so much for that. That was, that was fascinating. That's exactly why we sought you out. (laughs) (laughs) I actually do also want to make time for one audience submitted question, if that's okay. Um, Because I think it's interesting. One of the things you said really early on was about how insidious gaslighting is and how subtle it can be. And I do think that the film that we selected, Gaslight, La Moustache is a little bit more insidious, but Gaslight is very obvious. It's very sort of spelled out for you. This is what it looks like. And I think it can be hard to apply that to real life sometimes because I, I do think that it can be a lot more subtle and a lot more hard to spot. And so we do have one of our listeners who submitted a question. I'm just going to read it. So my brother constantly blames me for everything that has happened in the past where we have both made mistakes in our relationship. I have made positive changes in order to fix our relationship and admitted our shared business was a horrible mistake. Whenever he had responsibilities for the business, he would not do them and then blame me for saying I created a hostile work environment by being a bitch. And that's why he couldn't do his work. But then I would be extra nice and we would get along fine until something came up that he was responsible for doing that was an unpleasant or annoying task. And then he would find another reason that I caused him to not be able to do his work. He would then say he could get along with everyone except me. It feels like he still holds the past against me to avoid taking his own responsibility and facing up to his own issues. Sometimes I'm not sure though and feel guilty. I feel like he may be gaslighting me. Mm. we can all feel for her. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that question. I I mean, it's entirely possible. That's what's going on. Right. And, and maybe that, that label of gaslighting and and this concept can really be helpful and going back to how gaslighting is a dynamic in a relationship and going back to the power imbalance. Part of what I'm hearing in this kind of self-report is you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Mm. And that's sort of a red flag in relationships 
when it feels like, you know, when you try the range of things, you try to relate to someone this way and then you you hit a wall and then you try another way and, and you hit another wall um, and you start to realize you're running in circles and the other person is able to sort of stand still and you're just, you know, returning their serves. And mm. over time, it, it really chips away at your energy, your morale. Um, you can start to feel, you know, those words that that we talked about before, you know, the crazy, the exhaustion, confusion about what is really happening. Those are the hallmarks of gaslighting. And, and your, your listener might sort of ask herself, what in the, you know, what is her role in the relationship? What is it, you know, as she's sort of experiencing this, how does, how can she use her feelings and the sensations that come about to inform her about what's going on? So just sort of being very curious and, and without jumping to conclusions, why is it that I might feel this way in response to these behaviors? Because then, you know, I, I think at that point, then it becomes clear whether or not sometimes I think space is really helpful. You know, you, you can give it a rest for a little bit, take a little space, get a fresh perspective, talk to someone objective about it. But I feel for the that listener because, you know, kind of going back to, to her energy that she is dedicated, devoted, She's, she clearly loves her, her sibling. Um, and it's really hard. And, and sometimes when you the closer you are to someone, actually, the harder it is to to see it. Yeah. Uh, but she sounds yeah. tired to me. <laughs> I think yeah. when it's a family member too, then it's you're questioning what you're doing wrong more because in the way that we see society, I think this is your family. This is your blood. It's supposed to work. You guys are family. And when if someone is being toxic or pushing you away or creating a wall where you're constantly walking on eggshells, I think it's difficult to constantly be in that situation but be pressured because that's your family it's not like you're no longer going to keep them around yeah that's such a good point right the expectations that may exist in her family could have a huge impact on how she relates to her brother and you know in our practice because we have such a a diverse range of cultures amongst our clinicians and our clients um, and we're really sort of we find that so important because there is no right or wrong here. I'm not in a position to to tell this person, oh, you should estrange yourself from your brother the Mm. way maybe someone who strongly is speaking from a Western point of view or Eurocentric point of view. Mm. We see that a lot, uh, unfortunately, in, in different therapy rooms. You know, it's possible to examine that relationship in a meaningful way while also staying true to whatever your family of origins mm-hmm. values are. If it's important to her to have a line of communication with him, you know, barring physical risk, of course, we don't want someone to, to be in danger, but there are ways to sort of navigate healthier boundaries there. But again, there are some of the, the signs of, of an unhealthy relationship and in some total, what may be a form of, of gaslighting going on in that relationship. So definitely worth a closer examination. I think something really interesting that you said just sort of to sum it up feels like it feels like our listener really cares about like what her brother thinks rightfully so Mm -hmm. right like um Mm -hmm. it sounds like she it hurts her that like her brother still feels this way about her or has made her feel this way and something that you were saying was 
just to sort of check back in with yourself and how like the whole experience and the whole dynamic has made you feel and not Mm -hmm. in a lens that's like, okay, it's all about me now. And like, I should estrange myself, but rather like, Mm -hmm. that's a way to help you understand if you are being gaslit. And I think, but again, back to our character from Gaslight, like if only she had sort of checked in back with herself and Mm -hmm. instead of putting all the spotlight on the other person, the other person, like they're upset with me, like they're telling me this and that, if she had kind of turned it back to herself to say like, I don't like the the way that this is making me feel. And like, I don't like this dynamic and I want to shed light on that or I want to talk about it. Uh, That sounds like something that's really interesting and important from what you said. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know much about who wrote that play um, or that film, but it would be really interesting to think about the relationship that the writer had with each of those characters, you know, in in their imagination, of course. And also, I don't know, kind of exciting to think about what if it were rewritten from the perspective of one or the other, Mm. because, you know, when you had asked that question before about who gaslights and, and it, it's just not something that we always think about and, and where someone is coming from can sometimes really help a relationship, you know, when it's not systematic abuse, when, when it's kind of, you know, someone's childhood traumas or wounds and there's something workable there mm. to be able to say, Hey, I, I think this is going on and, and you're really deflecting and I'm receiving a lot of things that maybe don't have as much to do with me as they do to, with you that can really bridge some of those ruptures. Thank you so much, obviously, for that thoughtful response. I hope that this episode provided some some insights and some answers and that Alpana's perspective was insightful for your situation. It certainly was for me. I feel like I just I feel like I just got a free therapy session from this episode. <laughs> That's great. I'm so happy. <laughs> also, I find us like in this episode, you have such a calming energy that I find myself like mimicking that back to you. Like yeah. a calm, <laughs> soft stroking energy. <laughs> That's good. thank you for the, the feedback yeah i you can all bring it to me i can handle it <laughs> um and now i i really want to make sure like if our audience of locals new yorkers like where can they find wove therapy what kind of resources and providers um would you recommend outside of new york and i know sometimes like someone might not have access to a counselor or therapist or is it an environment or household where mental health is not prioritized. So how can they equip themselves with tools to begin their own healing process slowly in the in whatever way that they they can in their means? Mm-hmm. For wolf therapy, you know, we are based in New York and and so for for silly legislative reasons, we can really we're limited to to seeing clients in New York even though we're telehealth. And you can find us through our website, wolftherapy.com. There's our, our mission, our team, all that information is there. And you can, you can send inquiries through, through the web form. Outside of New York, if you're looking for a therapist, one of my favorite directories is called Inclusive Therapists. Um, and I think it's just inclusivetherapist.com. Um, they're really committed to intersectional care as well and, and centering marginalized voices as you know, it's so important to, to us here in this conversation and assuming for your listeners as well. Therapy can be expensive, especially if you don't have private health insurance. 
So that being said, you know, low cost options, reduced fee options, or sometimes no therapy at all, you know, if you're really just trying to do your best to take care of yourself, but there are other barriers, as much as you can connect with people, don't isolate, you know, Mm -hmm. we're talking so much of the theme of this conversation has to do with the value of being reflected in relationships. So if you're isolated or if you become isolated because you're in an abusive relationship, it's so important to seek out connection to other people. You can join an affinity group. You can, you know, we're talking about digital age, you know, joining all sorts of social groups or conversations, dialogues with people. Mm. They will keep you sane. Other people keep us sane. Yeah. Um, and and that's sure. just so important. For sure. Thank you for that. I think it's really yeah. important not just to um, give particular uh, therapy practices, but also like if you literally don't have any sort of resource at all, just like what does that first step look like, you know? And mm-hmm. so it's really important that we do touch on that on this episode, Mercato. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Alpana, for joining us. This was really, really wonderful and your perspective and your soothing voice. I hope our <laughs> listeners love it as much as we do because it was really wonderful to have you. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for doing this. Be sure to follow Mercato Radio on Spotify to get notified of our upcoming bonus episodes and follow us on Instagram at Mercato Radio to see what we're up to and get a look inside the films we unpack. For this episode, we have Iranian-Dutch artist Sevdaliza with her song, Oh My God.